You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Before the episode, we just wanted to drop in and say we have merch finally available. We're at tpublic.com. So if you'd like to check out all of our different merch that is continually being updated, you can go uh, to trivialitypodcast.com, click Merchandise. Or go to tpublic.com and type in Triviality Podcast, or there's an even easier way, Ken. Google it. Google it. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we have our classic logo and some crazy stuff that Neil came up with featuring some uh, inside jokes from the show. So we hope you like the merch and uh, let us know your ideas as well. Yep. And thank you all for your support. And uh, we hope you enjoy our new merchandise. On to the show. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil. I'm here with Matt and Jeff. Let's start with Matt. You're wearing a Clippers hat to represent Los Angeles. How are you feeling today? I'm um, doing great in City of Angels, enjoying this probable Christmas time, I think, that we're probably releasing this episode around. Yeah. It's uh, beautiful. Just right around there, yep. Uh, so I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Jeff, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Trying not to get blown away today. The Windy City is holding up to its reputation. Yeah, there's just so many politicians <laughs> screaming at you today out in, the, out in the wilderness. <laughs> Um, I'm doing pretty good. I'm super excited. The uh, the latest uh, Lincoln Lawyer novel from Michael Connolly came out, uh, and I've been just waiting anxiously basically for like six months, so I'm happy about that. Uh, Ken, unfortunately, uh, is not here. Um, he was at a grocery store. He was being safe. Uh, he was trying to get some uh, refried beans. Uh, it did not go well. He slipped, hurt his uh, tailbone, so he's resting at home, uh, icing that tailbone with frozen refried beans, which they had right next door to the regular refried beans. So, was um, you know, best wishes to him. Uh, but we do want to uh, say hello to uh, Triviality's official sixth man. He came in clutch uh, at Geek Bowl in Chicago, uh, coming to us from Seattle, a, a savage superstar on Patreon, a good friend of the show, and that is Marcus Ellis. How's it going, Marcus? Um it's going great. You know, I'm alive. I'm I'm breathing. That's always good. Um, unfortunately, I have the distinct honor right now of watching the Seattle Seahawks attempt to play defense, and it's not going great. But uh, other than that, happy to be here and uh, happy to reunite with you guys because, uh, well, except for Matt, I didn't get to see Matt in Chicago because I replaced him. <laughs> and uh, that's why if you've seen me post that I'm brown Matt, that's why. Yeah. Well, I love My it. official understudy, I would say. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Exactly. And, and like <laughs> I said, Matt is wearing a Clippers hat because he is in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm wearing a, a Bears hat just to make sure I'm, I'm, you know, joining the fray here. And then Marcus is wearing his Seahawks hat. Um, Marcus, you have some uh, some news, uh, I think, that just dropped today or yesterday at the time of recording. So do you want to tell the audience about that? Uh, yeah, um, I'm uh, fortunate that uh, the Benchwarmers trivia podcast, uh, sports trivia podcast, has added me as their eighth uh, kind of rotating co-host. So uh, I recorded my first show yesterday. And uh, yeah, it's it, I'm excited and uh, looking forward to being a part of the team. Yeah, we can't wait to hear you. And uh, we had a great episode that was uh, released prior to this with uh, Josh and Eric on it. And uh, I believe we had every member of the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast on the show, except for JJ and Mason now uh, after Marcus. So uh, we need to get uh, both of you on the show. But if you haven't heard that show, make sure you check it out. And uh, thank you, Marcus, for being a Patreon supporter. Our next uh, person we'd like to introduce is a very special guest who will be hosting today's game. Uh, he is wearing a Pittsburgh hat, a pit hat, uh, and he's coming to us from Pittsburgh. Uh, and that is uh, David Fudor. How's it going, David? I'm doing great, Neil. Happy to be here. Very excited. Yeah, we, uh, we've we been trying to get you on the show for a while. We're super excited that you've uh, prepared a game for us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, like you said, I'm here in Pittsburgh, the Steel City. Uh, I am a family law attorney here in Pittsburgh, so on the off chance... Uh, and you guys have any divorce or custodial needs in the greater <laughs> Pittsburgh area, uh, please look me up. But, uh, you know, we, we, uh, my family and I, we uh, came to your podcast earlier this year when uh, sort of the quarantine started and it kind of replaced uh, bar trivia for us. And uh, so shout out to my uh, wife and two kids, Gwen and Jacob, 12 and 9. They enjoy the show and uh, they're going to get a kick here in their dad on uh, on the podcast. Well, this... we have a lot of uh, a lot of attorneys, and it's a it's a pretty good market for us, apparently. I so. was just going to say, I think we have the largest. Now, David will be our counsel, as we always say, if we have a new lawyer who joins the team. Yeah, um, exactly. But we, I think we might have the the yeah. largest legal team, I think, in the history of the world, which is good for us. <laughs> so, if we get divorced, if we get in a car accident, if we murder someone, if we have a copyright <laughs> infringement, we can we're totally covered. I think Whatever you need. I don't yeah. I don't know if you're covered for murders, but well, I mean, <laughs> hey, just ask Michael Douglas if you have the perfect murder, everything will be okay. I like to dial M for murder. There you go. Um, so, uh, <laughs> David, uh, we we appreciate you being here and uh, and being a rules guy uh, impersonator on Patreon. Um, what can uh, what can we expect from your game today? Uh, from my game, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be uh, it's going to be twenty questions, a good a good swing round, and it's going to be. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a good match between the four of you. All right. Well, I think uh, as Marcus alluded, he called himself Brown Matt uh, as he was the understudy to Matt for Geekball. So I think you guys are going to be a team because of your uh, immense chemistry. So what is your team name today? Uh, clearly, two peas in a pod. We're going to be uh, Ebony and Ivory. Ebony and Living Ivory in harmony. <laughs> All right. So we got Ebony and Ivory over there. Uh, Jeff, I know we had talked about um, what we wanted to be named and Ebony and Ivory doesn't really sound like a scent, but I feel like the representation of you and me is citrus and sandalwood. Uh, I see. So we'll go with that. Um, so these are the teams. Let's throw it to the rules guy and uh, figure out how to play the game. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. I am the cream. 
I think he sounded a little Vin Scully-ish today. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? <laughs> I think it was uh, just a bit outside, to be honest. Ah, <laughs> nice Bob Euchre reference. All right. Well, uh, David, uh, feel free to take it away. We are ready to play. Sure. Okay. Round one. Uh, question one. The category is books. Uh, the best-selling fiction book for 2019, which has remained at the top of the bestseller list for 2020, features in its title, This Animal, Popular in Southern Cuisine. We are locked in over here. Feel free to talk out loud, guys. So we're trying to latch on to the Southern cooking angle. And I said shrimp. Uh, what were you thinking? So as weird as it sounds, I feel like just a random weird uh, Southern thing that I've heard is frog. But uh, mm -hmm. I do like shrimp better or I don't know. Any yeah. kind of seafood seems like it would be good. Yeah, there could be a book about shrimps. Uh, let's just let's say shrimp. We're locked in. All right. Well, yep. I don't know why my mind went here. I, I think there's a new restaurant around the corner that uh, has this as a delicacy. And that could be why. But um, I thought I heard something about crawfish, which is in a very similar family. So that's what we locked in with. OK, points to citrus and sandalwood. The, the answer is crawdad, but I will take crawfish. They are the same thing. The book is where the crawdad sings. Okay, so I, I, you actually were pretty close. Yeah, I was pretty close. Okay, I feel good about that. <laughs> and uh, sorry, Ebony and Ivory, I have 20 questions about books. No, I'm <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No. All right, round <laughs> uh, one, question two. This one will go to music. Uh, in 1984, Michael Jackson set the record at the time by winning eight Grammy Awards in one night for his album Thriller. One year prior at the 1983 Grammys, this band, who had multiple members collaborate with Jackson on Thriller, one album of the year and record of the year. Name the band. Okay, so Ebony and Ivory is locked in. The first thought that I had uh, is Thriller. I'm not Thriller, is Beat It, um, <laughs> which uh, Eddie Van Halen uh, famously did the solo and helped arrange part of that song. Um, but I don't know if any of the other members of the band had anything to do with Thriller. Um, and I'm trying to think of the other songs on the on the album, and I just I can't think of a type of music. Um <laughs> Uh, Quincy Jones, obviously, but I don't. Beatles, no. That's not. I mean, Quincy Jones isn't a band. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he is a band. If you if you you know, he's a genius, but he's not a band. Good observation, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you just want to go Van Halen for for no for no good reason and the topical nature of it. Yeah. Okay. So we're we're logging logging in. I don't know why I said that. Well, why not? We're logging into AOL and we're going to say Van Halen. <laughs> Van Halen. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I think uh, David Lee Roth choreographed the Thriller video, if I recall correctly, probably. <laughs> uh, I think we're also going with Van Halen, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Van Halen. Well, when I wrote this question, I didn't mean to swerve because uh, of the recent passing of Eddie Van Halen, but it is not Van Halen. The record of the year, you might know it, was Rosanna. The band is Toto. Toto. Oh. oh. All right, round one, question three, television. Uh, this series of NBC public service announcements, which still air today, was created in 1989 with the first year devoted exclusively to educating the public on the importance of teachers. I've got an idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to lock in over here. Let you guys talk. Are these, though, um, those like the more you know with the star That's thing? That's exactly what I thought. The more you know. Okay. So we'll lock in with that. <laughs> and uh, we also felt the rainbow go across the screen in front of us. We said the more you know. Okay, points to both teams. You guys are both right. It is the more you know. I always associate it with like watching NBA inside stuff, and it would always be like in between because like they got to teach you something. A modern <laughs> shot, yeah. Yeah. I used to love watching that. What a great program. 
Okay, round one, question four. The category is U.S. history. During the Civil War, what were Elmira, Andersonville, and Johnson's Island? Okay, so uh, Jeff and I uh, have been discussing for quite a while. We we just can't really uh, get onto an answer. Um, we we said, well, maybe it could it be battles, but they don't sound like famous battles. Could it be where treaties were signed? Maybe a burial burial ground, or uh, what sort of significance you know do these areas have? And we just could not come up with a good answer. So. Um, we don't think they're battle sites, uh, which is very generic, but we're just going to say battles because we can't think of a better answer. Yeah. You know, when I first heard Andersonville and you know where I think I actually heard it, I think it was in like ghost hunters. I think it's like a haunted prison, to be honest. I think it's a prison. Um, so I think we locked in with like a prison camp, right? That sound right. Yeah. Yeah. You, like I said, the only one I recognized was Andersonville. And when you said, I think it's a prison, that triggered something. So, yeah, prison prison camp. Well, there are points going out that round, and they're going to Ebony and Ivory. Those are prison right. camps. Good job. I think I think uh, Andersonville and Elmira might be southern, but Johnson's Island, I think, was in Ohio. So it's both north and south. Okay. Uh, round one, question five. I think this is usually your uh, listener submission. or uh, Yeah, we know, used to of, do that. One of those things. I don't know. Maybe I'm listening to the podcast that happened uh, years ago. But uh, this one came from my kids. So this was uh, the category is games. So this immensely popular online multiplayer game was released in 2018 to Little Fanfare, but is currently the top free gaming app on Apple. In this game, the players are either crewmates or imposters and compete on one of three maps. We can uh, lock in over here, let you guys talk. Neil's been jamming his hours. <laughs> Uh, is this, is this Among Us? Is that the is that the one that everyone's playing? Yes, yes. That everybody posts the little little guy. Hey, I, I just see random people being like, "Hey, here's the code Among Us," and I'm like, "What?" I didn't. I had no idea what it was until a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> same here. But we're locked in with Among Us. Yeah, uh, we're gonna click the button for an emergency meeting, and uh, we're going to uh, accuse uh, Team Ebony and Ivory of uh, of being the suspect. But yeah, we went with Among Us. No imposters here. Points all around. It is among us. So after five questions uh, at the start of the game here, it looks like Team Ebony and Ivory have 30 points and Team Citrus and Sandalwood also have 30 points. All right. Okay. Good job. Round one, question six, category is finance. Following the removal of ExxonMobil and General Electric in recent years, which company is now the longest tenured in the Dow Jones Industrial Average or Dow 30? This question may turn the tide of the match. We're we're locked in over here, gentlemen. You guys are locked in. Okay. <laughs> so, so we, we heard tied, So that's about as far as we got. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking. I know exactly what you're saying. You're saying it's not Johnson and Johnson, but it's they do tie. They do, and I'm resisting the urge to go do a quick little laundry. Oh, is it uh Procter and Gamble? Is that the company? Yeah. Yes, go. Yes, go with that. I like. I like that. Okay. I don't know for sure, but I'm also. I think that's the one I was thinking of. So hopefully that's right. (laughs) So we're gonna take a gamble on the old Procter and Gamble. Uh, yeah, we too said Procter and Gamble. Well, that was a great pull by Ivory. There, the answer is Procter and Gamble. (laughs) Uh, It's it's the the law firm of uh, health products or of uh... yeah. Okay, round one, question seven. Your category is actors. Uh, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman features three acting legends in Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci. Arrange those three actors from oldest to youngest. 
<laughs> you, you, okay. Uh, We're locked in, by the way. <laughs> great. All right. So we, we, I think we've come that De Niro's the oldest. I think we agree on that. And then yes. it's a toss up between the other two. Let's say, let's say Joe's the youngest. Cause I think that was our first inkling, right? Yeah. Yes. So, Agreed. So yeah. We're going to go Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, and then De Niro in that order. Okay. Uh, yeah. We had a, a similar conversation. It's kind of tough because they, they've both played old and younger and, um, and I feel like they're very close in age. Uh, but we ultimately went with De Niro as the youngest, uh, Pacino and then Pesci. Okay. The order here is Al Pacino is the oldest. He is 80 years old. Joe Pesci is slightly older than Robert De Niro. Joe Pesci is about a month wow. older than Robert De Niro. So it's Al Pacino, then Joe Pesci, and then the youngest of the three is Robert De Niro. Hmm. I don't think backwards. I think you had it completely backwards. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny too. With... Well, we, we thought we were doing it the other way. So we were, no, I don't know. <laughs> you used your, I want birthday points earlier today. So <laughs> yeah, I think you said the right order, but you had it going from youngest to oldest, but I, yeah, I, we okay. sure did. Okay. Uh, round one, uh, question eight colleges and universities, the oldest college or university located West of the Mississippi river is located in which Amer major American city. This school also has a mythical mascot, which was created by an art teacher in 1908. Name the city and you name the school. Um, so off the top of my head, the only colleges I can think that are named after a city are like uh, UNLV. University of Phoenix. University of Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix is a mythical creature. Oh, it's a devil? No, it's a phoenix. It's like a bird that rises from the ashes after it dies. I know, but is it? Well, there's no University of Phoenix though, right? Yeah, it's on TV all the time. Oh, you're talking about that one. So I that, don't know. That, that, you think that has been around since 1908? The Sun Devils. Oh, okay. That's uh, that, is that in Phoenix? There's, um, I think no. so. Uh, no. Tempe. That's Tempe. That could be major. Well, I don't, I don't know if we're going to get to anything else, and I kind of like it. It looks like it was drawn by an art teacher, the little devil man. <laughs> yeah, the little de devil man. I mean, I'm I'm good with that if you are, because yeah. I don't know that I could I could spend another twenty minutes just naming uh, yeah. mascots of college teams on the on the West Coast. Uh, but yeah, I'm good with that if you are. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna say Arizona Sun Devils. Uh, we. We just guessed uh, University of Phoenix because the Phoenix is a mythical creature. So, oh my god! <laughs> Unfortunately, no points to either team on that one. You don't have to go very far west of the Mississippi. It is the Billikens of St. Louis University. Oh, right. Mm. Oh, what's a Billiken? It's like a troll, like a mm -hmm. little troll thing. Yes, yeah, I can like, see their stupid mascot. Now. It apparently yeah, came little... to an art teacher in a dream, and she drew out a troll and. They uh, they adopted that mascot in the early 20th century. I feel like mm -hmm. every college mascot should be whatever dream comes to their art teacher. Because <laughs> that would just make things more interesting. I did hear just about every city west of the uh, Mississippi on that, so that was pretty good. A lot of good <laughs> answer there. All right, round one, question nine. The category is food um, or restaurants. One of the most iconic sandwiches maybe anywhere, but definitely in Pittsburgh, is a sandwich from Primanti Brothers. Other than meats and cheese, name two of the other three toppings which are standard on every Permani Brothers sandwich. For mm. five bonus points, name all three. Okay, Jeff. So the other team is locked in. Um, I've never heard of the sandwich before, the Permani Brothers 
sandwich, but we know that there are meats and cheeses on it. Um, I think for no other reason than Pittsburgh's uh, colors for other sports teams, the uh, black and gold. I feel like it's a mustard town, so that's into consideration. Um, and it's probably like some sort of greasy, uh, delicious type sandwich. It makes me think of like a muffaletta or like a Philly cheesesteak because East Coast. So we want something that will make it moist. You got to have a moist maker. That's correct. So... Um, so something moist, so a mustard or a mayo, maybe some sort of oil concoction. Um, is there lettuce on the sandwich? There's always lettuce is always good. Or, I know, or uh, I th- we threw out French fries because that would be make for a memorable sandwich. Yeah, Pittsburgh, a little Pittsburgh French fry sandwich. Um, hmm. All right. So where are we leaning? So we need two out of three. So do we want to? What's our moist maker? I'm feeling mustard. All right, mustard is our moist maker. And uh, do we go lettuce or fries? <laughs> Oh, we'll go fries. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go mustard and fries on the sandwich is our final answer. People do not like that word, and there's going to be a lot of skipping in this episode. <laughs> I know. Everyone seems to really not like fries. I don't know why. <laughs> I know. And and I just just for those people, just one more time, because I, I love doing this, you got to say it really, really slow and low, like moist. <laughs> moist. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so I definitely have seen these before. I think it was on uh, Man vs. Food, which I used to watch hungover quite a bit. Uh, so I didn't do it today, though, sadly. Um, so I'm pretty sure that these come with fries. And then, Marcus, you were saying onions. Was that was that what you were thinking? Yeah. Um, you know, as a as someone, one of the, I feel like, few that doesn't is not an onions person, I feel like Anytime you go to a restaurant, I have to ask, and like 90% of the time, they don't say anything. They're like, okay, no onions. It's very rare that they go, oh, yeah, you know, there's no onions on this sandwich. So that's my inkling. Like I said, uh, when I when I went to Geek Bowl, that was like the second time I've ever been off the West Coast. So I don't have any other bearing other than not liking onions, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, I hate onions too, so we're going fries and onions. You guys got uh, one of the two uh, right uh, in fries. You did not get the uh, the uh, M word ingredient, which is coleslaw and tomatoes. So French fries, coleslaw, and tomatoes. Those are those come on every Permani Brothers sandwich. Round one, uh, question ten. Uh, the category is politics. Who was the last presidential candidate to receive sixty percent of the popular vote in the general election? Uh, we can lock in. <sighs> Thinking back, because um, I know the. Everything up to like 2000 has been pretty close, right? You would say? Yeah, I would say. Um, well, my uh, so I'll tell you what my first thought was. My my first thought was Billy C's second term. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, I was see. I I also thought Bill Clinton, but I was thinking his first term because I think that by his second one he had lost a little bit of his popularity. But I remember he was like okay, yeah, the most right. popular. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter which one, but <laughs> right. It's it. I think we both agree that it's Bill Clinton. Yeah, I think post saxophone on uh, Arsenio, he he was at his his highest approval rating. <laughs> I mean, what a power move. Yeah. That's so that's. That's the that's the ultimate move. Nobody will and no president will ever equal that is going and playing the saxophone. Ugh. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna say uh Slick Willie and his saxophone. I, I'm surprised that Michael Dukakis didn't uh, perform on a Glockenspiel. I think he would have had better results. Um Jeff, you had this you had some sort of uh, line of thinking on this one. Yeah, I feel like um 
not Reagan's first election, but I think Reagan's second election, he won like all but one state or all but two states. So I think it was like a pretty big victory. Who's Reagan, by the way? Ronald Reagan. Is that Reagan and reggae at the same yes, time? Yes, it is. It's the reggae version of Ronald Reagan? <laughs> reggae Ronnie? Um, Ronald Reagan. Okay, so you want to go Reagan? Um, I want to say I looked at recently at like maps of like electoral victories, and I feel like that one was a pretty big one, so... Okay, I'm pretty comfortable with that. That's I know so Clinton's, boring, Jeff. Clinton's God. first one got split. Um, Ronald Reagan isn't. Stay <laughs> off drugs to dare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with that. We'll lock in Reagan. Uh, Reagan got close. Bill Clinton never got to 50% of the popular vote. Reagan got very close in 84, but your answer is Richard Nixon, 1972. Wow. <laughs> Right. Should look at some of those charts that Jeff was looking at, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. After the first round, um, even though it sounded like we knew what we were talking about, uh, we didn't get a lot of points. But... That's the name of my autobiography. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but we're tied at 40 points right now, which is respectable. Um, so tied at 40 before going into the second round. And before I throw it to David for the swing round, um, just want to let everyone know to come join us over at The Crop on Facebook. Um, to interact with our listeners, uh, see about new releases. If you don't want to go on Facebook, we just started a uh, Triviality Discord. So if you're not sure what Discord is, uh, we can explain it at a later time, but uh, we have some links in the crop uh, on Patreon, um, and we'll we'll throw a link on here for the next uh, few episodes where you can come. It's a, a chat uh, program, and uh, we're actually going to be doing a lot of our recordings through Discord moving forward just for some better quality. So um, if you want to be on the show in the future, uh, maybe you know get an account and we'll we'll invite you uh, and also uh, hit us up on social media at triviality pod um, David what do you have in store for the swing round today so for the swing round I'm calling it 10 for 10 uh, ESPN has amassed a large library of sports documentaries in the 30 for 30 franchise which was originally conceived as 30 films from 30 directors however there are now 157 films in the series I will give you the title of 10 different films Please tell me the sport that this documentary primarily depicts. As a hint, there are no repeats for the sports. So question one or answer one is 9.79. Number two, bad boys. Number three, charismatic. Number four, king's ransom. Number five, Doc and Daryl. Number six, the two Escobars. Number seven, Pony Excess. Number eight, 42 to one. Number nine, The Sixteenth Man. And number 10, The Price of Gold. Okay, we will uh, look at these questions and be back soon with our answers. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. 
We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, all the answers are now locked in. So let's go back to David for the clues, and we will give our answers. So I was asking you for the sport that these 30 for 30 documentaries depicted. Um, Question one was 9.79. All right. Um, yeah, we thought um, this one could possibly be a time uh, for running. So we said track. Yeah, uh, we also thought that this was track. You guys are both right. That was track and field. That was the documentary about Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson. Mm-hmm. Question two was bad boys. Uh, we thought this was about the Detroit Pistons. So we said basketball. Yep. Same. Uh, we knew that the bad boys are the Detroit Pistons. So basketball. All correct there. That was about the Detroit Pistons. That was basketball. Question three, charismatic. This one we talked about for a really long time. We had a lot of trouble because I know I've seen the trailer for it. I just could not remember the pictures. I just, I remember seeing the name of it and we uh, toyed with, um, you know, maybe football, like a, a charismatic football player, maybe gymnastics or something. But ultimately we thought maybe going like the John McEnroe route and we just said maybe it was tennis and it was ironic. Mm. Yeah, I was almost positive that this is the name of a, one of the horses that was close to the Triple Crown or got, got it, but uh, we said horse racing. So points to Ebony and Ivory there. The answer is horse racing. That is the horse that almost won the Triple Crown, broke down just after the wire in the Belmont, and the story is about the horse and his jockey. Mm-hmm. Question four, King's Ransom. Um, We figured that this one might be chess. Um, And we knew that King's Ransom was about Wayne Gretzky leaving the Edmonton Oilers and heading to the LA Kings, so we said hockey. That makes so much sense. Points again to Ebony and Ivory. That was about the Wayne Gretzky trade. It is hockey. Yeah, we have that uh, Queen's Gambit on the brain, that's why. Yeah, (laughs) to be honest, this is a really good category for me and Marcus. (laughs) (laughs) So question five, Doc and Daryl. Yeah, this one, um, anytime I think of sports and Daryl, the first person I think of is Daryl Strawberry. And I know he had some issues, um, if, uh, you know, for lack of a better word. Uh, and I thought maybe there's a documentary about it. So we said Dar- uh, baseball. Uh, right fielder for the Springfield Isotopes, Daryl Strawberry. We said baseball. That is the story about the uh, two Mets from the 1980s. It is baseball. Question six, the two Escobars. Um, outside of Pablo Escobar, we don't know too many Escobars, uh, but we just guessed soccer. Well, one of the Escobars was Pablo. Uh, what was the other one, uh, Marcus? I, I don't know, but I, I know we both said, oh, Escobar. And uh, conjoined with the Mets question, we agreed that a lot of this centered around cocaine. So we also said soccer. <laughs> Well, that is a good pull by both teams. I think the other Escobar might have been named Andres or Andre, but that is about uh, the two Escobars, Pablo and the Colombian soccer player who scored the own goal in the 94 World Cup. So it is soccer. Oh. 
Yeah, there was a there was like a hit put out on him. Like it it did right. not go he well was for him. Killed. Yeah, wasn't he killed? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Question seven, Pony Excess. Yeah, so uh, Pony Excess uh, normally for me is uh, when I listen to too much genuine. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we, we knew we knew this was probably a um, trick question, and we just figured, you know what, he's probably going to trick us, but we have no idea. So let's just, in, just in case, well, let's just say horse racing. So that's what we locked in with. Uh, yeah, this one was about... Uh... <laughs> a football scandal at SMU. So uh, we said football. Yeah, the ponies in question are the Mustangs of SMU. The answer is football. Question eight, 42 to one. Uh, We thought these might be uh, odds or potentially a record. And we said boxing. Um, Yeah, Um, we we figured they were odds. We kind of talked, oh, you know, about the Jimmy the Greek uh, gambling 30 for 30, but then we thought about Buster Douglas, and I think this is about the Buster Douglas Mike Tyson fight. So we said boxing. Well, those are odds, and if you had James Buster Douglas at 42 to 1, you were pretty happy. It is boxing. <laughs> Question nine the 16th man. Yeah, this one we also had a lot of uh, trouble because uh, we couldn't think of a sport that had that many players, and we thought, well, maybe, you know, it's a a sport where a bunch of people got hurt and then the person who like, I don't know, scored the winning touchdown goal point or whatever was the 16th person who came in. And so uh, obviously we know we're wrong now, but we locked in with hockey. Yeah. This one we had the hardest time with. If it was, if it was the sixth man, Starling Marlon Wayne's, I would know that it was basketball, but <laughs> I did not uh, know great this one. Film, great film. <laughs> a great film. Uh, but we just guessed rugby because we weren't sure on this one. Not the sixth man, not the twelfth man. Seattle Seahawks fans, there are fifteen to a side in rugby. It is this. It is rugby. Wow. Let's go. <laughs> Finally, the price of gold. Uh, yeah, this one uh, Jeff had a, a great idea on. Uh, we thought maybe that uh, this was about a gold medal, and uh, we thought somebody who uh, had paid the price for trying to reach fame. We said figure skating. Um. So we obviously, you know, same thing, price of gold. We thought Olympics. Um, we thought of um, a far more sinister uh, answer in uh, the gymnastics scandal. So we said gymnastics. Well, what was a good category for Ebony and Ivory? Citrus and Sandal got some points back. The answer is ice skating, figure skating. Mm, the, Tanya the, Tanya Harding. Yeah. 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 As soon as they said ice skating, I'm like, I bet it was the Tanya Harding one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, almost perfect in that swing round uh, for Ebony and Ivory, but they did get one incorrect, bringing uh, their bonus points uh, to 45 bonus points and their score to 85. And here at Citrus and Sandalwood, uh, we picked up 30 points, which is still pretty good, uh, bringing our total to 70. Okay, round two, question one, category game shows. While Double Dare, and especially the Obstacle Course, is probably the most recognized Nickelodeon game show... In what other Nickelodeon program would contestants compete in a final round called the Video Zone? Uh, we can we can lock in, actually. Look it up on YouTube after this, by the way, because it's so so funny. <laughs> Seriously, everyone do it. It's not guts, because that was the uh, that was the crag. Yeah, it's not Legends um, of the Hidden Temple. It's not Figure It Out, is it? I don't think they did that on Figure It Out. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's. Do you want to just go? Let's go with. Um, We'll lock in with David Cronenberg's Videodrome, <laughs> which should have been a Nickelodeon show. 
Uh, now, this is a game where they actually couldn't get the license for any of the good games, so they ended up playing Star Tropics over and over and over, and nobody wanted to play it. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's called Nick Arcade. So. You are correct. It is Nick Arcade. Yeah, the final but- round, they put in like these green screen suits, and they stand in front of this thing and play a live action video game where they're supposed to touch stuff, but it doesn't work, and every <laughs> it's very bad. You know what the game the game that I remember the most from that is Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh like, yeah, that was on there every single time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, round two, question two. Also a wrestling tag team. Name the 1978 film which tells the true story of the escape of American Billy Hayes from a Turkish prison. This movie won Oliver Stone his first Oscar for screenwriting. But for wrestling fans, the name of the film will evoke memories of a tag team known more for its manager than its often changing members. Jeff and I are locked in over here. Okay, and I'm guessing you guys are going on the movie part of that question, and we're going with the wrestling. Uh, <laughs> not, <laughs> not sure of the movie. Uh, so far, we've talked about the Four Horsemen, but don't really have a memorable manager. Uh, was was Midnight Express, were they, did they have a manager? Um, yeah, I think it was Jim Cornette. Mouth of, oh no, that's Jimmy Hart. But Jim Cornette, I mean, he's pretty well known for. He is. He is well known. Yeah, Midnight Express. That's. Yeah, Jim. Yeah, I'm. I'm fairly positive that Jim Cornette is the manager for the Midnight Express. Okay, I think I think we can lock in with that then. Let's do that. Uh, yes. So before he famously wrote Scarface, uh, we said Oliver Stone wrote Midnight Express. <laughs> that was a great, great pull by uh, Ebony and Ivory, <laughs> especially Ivory. The answer, Midnight Express. Uh, Jim Cornette, not not as much fun to follow right now on, online. No, he hates, he hates uh, everything. No. He hates everything that's not uh, 80s style wrestling. <laughs> yeah. All right, round two, question three. Uh, the category is movie link. I will give you three movies. Name the actor or actress who appeared in all three. The movies are Home Alone, JFK, National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, we don't know, um, but the only yeah, name that no we idea. thought of was Daniel Stern because we like him in uh, Home Alone, so we're going to say Daniel Stern. So uh, we had an interesting uh, conversation here. Um, a lot of it was me talking to myself and Jeff looking at me strangely, but... Um, so we started with home alone and, and we went through, you know, everyone, Daniel Stern, Joe Pesci, John Hurd, Catherine uh, Catherine O'Hare, uh, Macaulay Culkin, Kieran Culkin, all these people. And then, um, then we centered in on, uh, vacation has a person who works at a theme park. Home alone has someone in the back of a U-Haul and JFK has someone in a, a nice oh, suit John and sunglasses. Candy. So we went John Candy. Well, Neil's right. It is John Candy. Small parts in each three movies, but he was in all three. He's the king of polka in the Midwest, right? That's right. That's right. Polka king of the Midwest. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, round two. Uh, question four. The category is names. The name Devi, D-E-V-I, means goddess and is of scan- Sanskrit origin. It is also the name of the Hindu mother goddess. Name the notable American whose middle name is Devi. Okay, so that we were thinking actor. He said notable American. He also said goddess, and we named a bunch of men. True. <laughs> True. I mean, yeah, right. We did, for the record, for the listeners, we did say maybe it is Michael B. Jordan's straight-to-video cousin, Michael D. Jordan, but um, so goddess. So we're looking for a notable uh, female American 
What's uh, Kamala Harris's middle name? Oh, could be Kamala could have, Harris. I've never actually seen her middle name, but... It very well could be Kamala Harris. Because I know they always... That would make a lot of sense. Okay. Because they always say Joseph, is it R. Biden? Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And I, they, are, they never say like some... They never say like... They just say Kamala Harris, but I, maybe that's her middle name. Yeah. That would be... That would make a lot of sense. Uh, okay. All right. We'll lock in with uh, Kamala Harris. All right. And uh, I'll let Marcus take this one away because I had no input. Yeah. Um, the question when he said uh, notable American, I mean, that's not a ton to go on. But if we're thinking about what's going on in this country, and I think as of this recording, she's technically the vice president elect. But uh, yeah, we. I just said, hey, I think it could be Kamala Harris. I don't know her middle name and Kamala is not common. So we also locked in with Kamala Harris. Yeah, I think Jeff mentioned it. Assuming we have a transition of power in January with a couple unique middle names coming into the White House, you have Robinette. And for Kamala Harris, you have the middle name Davey. So points to both teams. Good job. Oh, nice. Uh, round two, question five. Uh, the category is college football. What university, which plays in the American Athletic Conference, is the smallest Division I college as measured, measured by total enrollment and boasts such notable alumni as Dr. Phil an NFL Hall of Famer and later Congressman Steve Largent. Steve Largent. We can lock in. Oh, wow. We can lock in. I got it. Based on Dr. Phil, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, yeah, definitely Dr. Phil. <laughs> so the AAC. The audience is a bunch of hoes. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone, that was the. For the record, I do not think the triviality audience is. Well, that was bad baby right uh matt on the cash me outside episode yep okay yeah yeah um so the i'm guessing that's the aac conference is maybe a no it wouldn't be alaska dr phil wouldn't be in alaska why not just because i feel like he's too good for alaska not not okay. him per i think he thinks he's too good for alaska let me let me clarify not that he is too good for alaska um snow is dumb i mean look ice <laughs> is stupid <laughs> exactly he's like i i started in scary movie four i don't need to be going to Did alaska we say it was an acc school though well he said american something conference which it came oh, okay. out to aac but maybe it's acc i don't know i don't know how the college works no, those are two different conferences this it is the is american not. american athletic conference the american the AC. AC. oh ac okay so it's a trap is what he's saying <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> you've been barred from this conversation i don't know i i have no idea can you name just a really small school somewhere like the, the university of guam or something or <laughs> so yeah i don't know uh how about the university of amarillo okay so you said dr phil you said the aac i can name every school in the aac but then you said a very specific name that if I wasn't from this area, or because I'm from this area, I have to know it. You said Steve Largent, and Steve Largent is from the University of Tulsa. Well, points are going to one team there, and it's not the Texas State Armadillos led by Kathy Ireland at kicker. It is the University of Tulsa. Good job. Wow. So who is Steve Largent then? I've never heard that name. The When he retired, he was the all-time leading receiver in NFL history. Uh, played for my Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And oh. I will say this with confidence. He's the greatest white receiver who's ever played. Wow. Take that, Ricky Prohl. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I Seattle think Seahawks legend Ricky Prohl. 
Yeah, also a congressman from Oklahoma. So that was maybe yes. one way you could have gotten to that. Oh, uh, okay. Um, well, uh, after five questions in the second round, uh, Team Ebony and Ivory are taking a, a larger lead. They picked up 40 more points, bringing their score to 125. And uh, over here at uh, Citrus and Sandalwood, we picked up 30 points, bringing us to 100. Okay, round two, question six. The category is science. In 1901, Dr. Douglas McDougall identified six patients, primarily those with tuberculosis, and obtained their participation in an experiment to measure the weight of what? You guys are locked in? Yes, sir. All right. So we're discussing uh, an episode of House that I watched one. No, I don't know. We, we got nothing over <laughs> Yeah. Uh, tuberculosis. So we're talking about the spine. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't uh, weigh spinal fluid without, I assume, taking it out of the person. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, let's 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 just say spinal fluid because it sounds like a thing. I don't know. Okay. I don't yeah, think we're anything I'm, else. So, so no, what, I'm totally good with that. Spinal so, fluid. So what you're saying is, uh, the predator and predator is really just a doctor examining all those <laughs> spines that it rips out, right? Yeah. But you didn't. Predator Two is not a documentary. Oh well, it probably. I mean, it is very, very hot from climate change, and there's uh, rampant uh, just craziness going on in Los Angeles. So I'd say it's it's pretty accurate. And and Bill Paxton was super horny in that movie, so uh, it all checks out. There you go, um, Jeff. Uh, what do we have for our answer? Yeah, we don't know exactly how you'd measure this uh, in a living person either, but we just said lungs because we know tuberculosis affects the lungs. No points to either team. If I had told you the weight of this object was 21 grams, the answer is the soul. Oh. What? Huh. Oh, is that because when the, the moment you die, you, you weigh 21 grams less? That's correct. Yes. That's what he, that was his theory. Yes. <laughs> Which also went into the title of that, uh, I think it was a Sean Penn movie. Yeah, it was a Sean Penn movie. Yeah, you're right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, round two question, I think it's seven, the Oscars. So ranking the Academy Award winners for Best Picture by total box office, not adjusted for inflation, only one of the top 10 highest grossing films was released in the 1980s. Name this film with perhaps an appropriate title for a film which made a lot of money. Okay, so this was a tough one because um, I was trying to name all the movies that won Best Picture um, in the 80s. And I think we got the, most of them. I, I know Ordinary People, Chariots of Fire... Amadeus, Gandhi, I think Terms of Endearment, Out of Africa, Last Emperor, Driving Miss Daisy, and the only one we said that had anything remotely to do with money and was a big hit uh, was Rain Man, and maybe he means raining money down on everyone. Making it rain. So that's what we went with, ultimately. Yeah, um, we weren't sure, so we went with the Sean Kemp documentary Rain Man as well. Well, I think it's uh, I think it might be the ninth uh, highest grossing box office best, best picture winner, but we're going to make it rain with Rain Man. Good job. <laughs> Pac-Man Jones. Woo. We were trying to figure out how Gandhi uh, equaled money, but we couldn't go there. <laughs> well, if you play Civ five, he just destroys you and just takes all your money every single time. It's 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 part of his A.I. So very money hungry. Okay, round uh, two, question eight. The category is games. Uh, the Queen's Gambit is a popular and critically acclaimed show streaming on Netflix. It is also a common opening move in chess. This chess move is also known as what other gambit, named for the Syrian city where Philip Stamma was born, an 18th century chess master who would popularize this move. 
2016 presidential candidate Gary Johnson would probably be no help on this question. Yeah, we're locked in. Very uh, Queen Queen's Gamut came up about like four or five times today. We've had a uh, we've had a lot of a lot of discussion. It's a great it. show. Yeah, I've I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, so you got the Queen's Gambit, you got the X Men Gambit, but I don't know any other gambits at all. The Queen's Gambit was the name of uh, Oliver Queen's ship in the show Arrow. Uh, oh when yeah, he crashed. Yeah, so. <laughs> So we're you know, still not getting any closer. <laughs> no, we're not. But I'm just um, adding to the conversation as best I can. What was the name of the chess player they were trying to find? Bobby Fischer? Is that the Bobby one? Fischer. Where is he? I don't know. He uh, ended up in Iceland. So we'll say <laughs> we're gonna we'll say the Bobby Fischer gambit. Yeah. Uh, fine. We're locked in with that. We don't know. Uh, and Jeff, you had the answer right away. I think it was the same thing I thought of. Uh, but what do you have? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know too many cities in Syria. Um, Damascus is the big one that comes to mind. But the Gary Johnson gaffe of all gaffes, I guess, for his party, was uh, that he didn't know the name of the city of Aleppo. So we said Aleppo. Points there. It is Aleppo. Good job. Mm. Speaking well, I'm of... Glad, I'm glad that hearing that I wouldn't have known it, so <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> the, uh, the Bobby Fischer... Uh thing of this all uh, made me think of a, a story from when I was younger. I don't know if I told this on the podcast, but I remember when um, that movie Bobby Fischer, Searching for Bobby Fischer came out um, when I was younger, kids in school, you know, they were like, oh, is, you know, are you related? Because kids are that way because my last name is spelled the same way. Um, but when I was in third grade or second grade, I can't remember when the whole Amy Fisher, Joey Buttafuoco thing <laughs> came out. And I'm not kidding you for like three months, all the kids were like, your, your sister's Amy Fisher, isn't it? And I'm like, no, it's not. And like, they just would <laughs> razz me about it forever. But, um, that was a strange time indeed. <laughs> like they don't let him near the safety scissors is what they all said. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Round two, question nine category is state capitals. So known informally as the roundhouse, this state capital has the only round state capital building. The building was designed to resemble the Zaya sun symbol found on this capital's state flag. Name the city. Uh, Neil, I've got an idea. I think we can lock in. All right. All right. So they're locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably a south- southwestern state, right, you would think, with the sun symbol? Yeah. I would. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. So my first guess was it's in New Mexico, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the capital is. <laughs> My uh, Santa Fe, right? Yeah. Santa Fe. Santa Fe seems like it would have like a really cool round building. <laughs> yeah, a Pueblo of a building. Hey guys, yeah. come on down to Santa Fe. We got a really cool round building. <laughs> yeah, so we're I'm good I'm good with that. I, I, yeah. I have Yeah, yeah. We can go with Santa Fe. Yep, Santa Fe it is. Uh we too went uh with New Mexico, Santa Fe. Great job, both teams. The answer was Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah. Known for their cool round buildings. <laughs> All right. Way round <laughs> round two, question 10. Category is video games. In Madden NFL 08, this player became the first player ever to receive a 100 or perfect rating for speed. Locked yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Locked in a thousand times. Locked in. Crank that. Is this uh, Soldier Boy? <laughs> it's gotta be. So if I remember correctly, I went to a Navy Pier Madden tournament with my brother. We entered, 
our first game, the uh, huge football fan next to me said, hey, I'm going to make some roster moves. And I said, is that legal? And he said, it's totally legal. I said, okay. (laughs) And he picked the Bears. And he said, I'm going to put Devin Hester receiver and just pass to him the whole whole game. And I'm just going to let you know that right now. And I was like, okay. And he beat me like 70 to 2. So, uh, yeah, I think you're thinking Devin Hester, right? Yeah, uh, definitely. Okay, so we'll go Devin Hester. Yeah, Devin Hester was ridiculous. Speed 100, Devin Hester. He's the all-time leader in return touchdowns, and he's the correct answer for question 10. It's Devin Hester. Good job. Oh, man, that's so exciting. I love that question. All right, after the second round and uh, regulation, it looks like the scores are at 140 for Citrus and Sandalwood and 155 for Ebony and Ivory. Let's uh, hear what those final round categories are, David. So the questions for the final round, number one, Reservoir Dogs. Number two, Pulp Fiction. Number three, Kill Bill. Number four, The Hateful Eight. Number five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number six, The One with the Feet. (laughs) that's all of them all the wagers are now locked in so david feel free to go through our questions okay question one in reservoir dogs while dogs have been used in warfare since ancient times the first official record of dogs being used by the american military was in 1835 when bloodhounds served in the second war named for this native american tribe uh question two pulp fiction In which 1962 novel, later a 1971 film, does the protagonist first person narrate the story in Norsat, an English-Russian slang? Question three, Kill Bill. Richard Gere killed it in the film version of Chicago, singing and tap dancing as infamous defense lawyer Billy Flynn. In 2003, a member of this boy band joined the traveling Broadway company of Chicago, portraying Billy Flynn on stage, including a performance in Pittsburgh, which I attended. Name the boy band. Question four, The Hateful Eight. In a landmark 1853 decision, still the basis of patent law today, especially for computer software, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected as impermissibly broad the eighth claim in a patent application filed by which famous inventor and painter? Finally, number five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. While there are over 2,500 stars embedded on the sidewalks of Hollywood and Vine Streets, this athlete has the only star which hangs vertically at the entrance of the Dolby Theater. Oh, my God. I walk by it every day, and I don't know it. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with our answers. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? 
We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. All the answers are now locked in. So let's uh, hear those questions one more time. We'll give our answers. So uh, on the final round, question one, the category was reservoir dogs. While dogs have been used in warfare since ancient times, the first official record of dogs being used by the American military was in 1835 when bloodhounds served in the second war named for this Native American tribe. Uh, we wagered 20 points on this, and the only wars I could think of that had a specific tribe name that weren't like French and Indian Wars or something like that was the Seminole Wars. So we said that it was the second Seminole War. Uh, we wagered 20 all the way down, and uh, we also said Seminole. Both teams are correct. That was the Seminole Wars. Correct. Question two, Pulp Fiction. In which 1962 novel, later a 1971 film, does the protagonist first-person narrate the story in Norsat, an English-Russian slang? So this one, I was kind of sure. I just didn't know if the movie was released in this year. I, I thought maybe it was later. But um, I know in high school, I read A Clockwork Orange, and that book is completely uh, made up of slang, and they have a, a glossary at the end uh, so you can understand it. And in the movie, I believe they speak a slang. I just don't know if it's Russian English, but um, that was all we had to go on. So we went A Clockwork Orange. Mm, that's probably a lot closer to the answer than we said. Uh, crime and punishment. Not right, but that's what we said. Not right. The uh, the pulp here is orange. It is a clockwork orange. Uh, oh, I didn't even think about pulp and orange. Oh, man, I'm so dumb. Okay. Uh, question three in the final round was Kill Bill. Richard Gere killed it in the film version of Chicago, singing and tap dancing as infamous defense lawyer Billy Flynn. In 2003, a member of this boy band joined the traveling Broadway company of Chicago portraying Billy Flynn on stage, including a performance in Pittsburgh, which I attended. Name the boy band. All right. So I subjected Jeff to uh, me just kind of dissecting different boy bands over and over again. Um, and for listeners at home that aren't familiar with Chicago and it's sort of its Broadway roots, um, it's a show, I think it now is the longest running American musical in history, but um, they often get uh, sort of cameo um, stunt casting or whatever. I, we've talked about uh, Eddie George being in it. Um, uh, just people, you know, like, uh, Jerry Springer played Billy Flynn in a production. Um, so there's just random people in there. Anyway, um, I went through all the boy bands and, um, I know around 2003, that's when NSYNC kind of breaks apart. Justin goes solo. Um, so I was thinking Joy Fatone. Um, and I was also thinking Backstreet Boys around 2003, uh, also started to peter out. Um, uh, and I know Joy Fatone was in Rent on Broadway, and I think it was near the same time. So I went the Backstreet Boys route, and I know even though he's not the best performer, I think Kevin Richardson was on Broadway. So <laughs> we went Backstreet Boys. <laughs> There's my reasoning. <laughs> so I thought that this was right before he had his dreams of going to the moon shattered, um, and I just thought it might have been Lance Bass, so we said in sync. Well, I enjoyed Neil's thesis on Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and the various uh, boy bands it could be, but I was surprised in my playbill to see Kevin Richardson in Pittsburgh. It was the Backstreet Boys. 
god, you guys deserve to win. Then how was he? How was Kevin Richardson? Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was, I, I I think we were just like, wait, he's in the show. It was like one of those type things. But yeah, it was a good show. So question four, final round, the hateful eight. In a landmark 1853 decision, still the basis of patent law today, especially for computer software, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected as impermissibly broad the eighth claim in a patent application filed by which famous inventor and painter? Um, we put 20 down on this one, and I'm pretty sure that this is Samuel Morse. So, mm, Of course it's Morse. We went with someone I had no idea. I just guessed Edison because he did a lot of weird stuff at the time, so... Edison. This is the inventor of the telegraph, Samuel Morse. And finally, once upon a time in Hollywood, while there are over 2,500 stars embedded on the sidewalks of Hollywood and Vine Streets, this athlete has the only star which hangs vertically at the entrance of the Dolby Theater. Uh, another 20 on this one for us. Uh, Neil and I were talking about uh, sports figures who would have a star on the Walk of Fame. And Neil was like, Ali, has got to have one. And I was like, well, who would... Uh, who'd want to be somebody who'd never be on their back. And uh, we knew we thought about mm. the, how you'd float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. So maybe his is floating above. So we guessed Ali. Um, I thought it was, you only get it that way if you can knock out Superman. And uh, so I also thought it was Muhammad Ali. So he said Muhammad Ali. Well, this athlete did not want anyone to walk on his name or his star. The answer is Muhammad Ali. Okay, after that uh, crazy final round, uh, and also just wonderful written game, uh, the scores are here, and it looks like Team Ebony and Ivory is going to come up a little bit short with 135 points, and today's mm. cream of the crop are going to be uh, Citrus and Sandalwood coming to stores near you with 240 points. The cream of the crop. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, we should have... We, we, we were playing defense like the Seattle Seahawks. That was our problem. Yeah, I'm watching it live, and I want to punch myself in the face and also everyone that plays Marcus, defense for that. Marcus got very despondent towards the end of this game. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm looking at it. It's right in my face, and you know what? Uh, well, uh, well, we appreciate well, the yeah, halftime sorry. seemed to favor one team, but the final, which was worth more points, certainly favored the other. I think that was the problem. I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, we'll start with Marcus, uh, so you can uh, maybe drown your sor uh, sorrows a little bit after this football game. But um, thank you for joining us. Uh, can you tell people where they can find you now that you're on your new podcast? Yes, um, you can find us on all social media platforms at Bentwarmers TP, and you can find me personally on all social media at Double K O Seven because my name Marcus spelled with two Ks. Figure it out, nerds. All right. Well, thank you for that, Marcus. Thank you for joining us today and uh, hanging out and being uh, Triviality's official sixth man uh, and also being a Patreon supporter. Uh, David, uh, wonderful, wonderful game that you wrote. Great questions, uh, wide-reaching uh, topics and everything, and we appreciate you being here and supporting us on Patreon. Any uh, final words, shout-outs, anything you'd like to say? Oh, I guess what I would say is, um, you know, for anybody out there who's listening, I would encourage them to support uh, the podcast like I do. It's rewarding, and you might be able to uh, one day host a trivia podcast, which is something I never thought I would do, but it was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. Of course. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time today to write the game, to host it. Uh, you did a great job, and um, we appreciate you. If you'd like to join David and Marcus, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Uh, for Ken, we hope his tailbone gets better. For Matt, Marcus, David, Jeff, and myself... I'm Neil, and that was Triviality.
I'm resisting the urge to go do a quick load of laundry. Yeah. Um, Have you guys ever like, done it's laundry? Like a big company that <laughs> that uh, they produce a lot of stuff. Um, 